Welcome to Deep Well Astrology. I'm Allison Disler, a psychological astrologer and somatic educator. And in this podcast, we'll explore how astrology can illuminate our embodied consciousness and nourish our soul. Hello, folks. Today is Thursday, July 7th, 2022, and we here are in our wall of Midwestern summer heat deep in our Midwest humid. It's been so many days since it's rained. We have our long days and our deeply warm nights, watering the gardens, trying to keep them hydrated. Astrologically, this Thursday, today we're at the first quarter moon in Libra, which is a moon sign I covered last week in episode 37, as I was still recovering from this uh, early summer or midsummer COVID. Uh, My voice is so much better today. You might be able to hear that. So if you'd like to celebrate or learn more about astrologically informed self-care for a moon in Libra, which is today, go back to our last episode, episode 37. Believe it or not, I've got just a few more moon signs to cover before this podcast moves in a completely different realm of topics. So for the next three weeks, it's unlikely the moon sign will actually coordinate with the moon sign that I'm going to talk about in the podcast because I've talked about so many of the moons already. Perhaps it's some wishful thinking to bring in the restorative dreamy waters of a Pisces moon for this episode but I am kind of praying and having some intentions around water. So today's episode is going to focus on moon in Pisces. And to be fair, I have a projective opinion of Pisces moon being watery and dreamy. And that's part of my projection, this sort of dreamy quality of Pisces. It is a mutable water moon. But there is much more of a dynamic complexity, I think, in the Piscean archetype. So just to say a dreamy Piscean moon is only really part of that um, whole picture, and we'll get into that later. In other parts of the sky this week, both Mars and Mercury have just shifted or ingressed signs out of Aries and Gemini into Taurus and Cancer, respectively. So this is Mars going into Taurus and Mercury into Cancer. And that itself, to me, feels like a sea change or at least a pace change. If Mars is generally about motivation and getting stuff done, let's call it kind of a go power, a willpower or vitality. And Mercury is about how we think, how we communicate, how we relay messages in our mind and with others. It seems like we are entering a pocket of time where our mind and how we go about doing things is shifting, or maybe I'll even look at it as a downshifting because we're moving from some quick, almost action-oriented, extroverted in some sense signs to this downshifting into sort of a slower, um, I feel Cancer and Taurus are both more um, slow-moving than Aries and Gemini. That's just a really broad shift. So there is some possibility that we can kind of downshift into that energy, or we might experience a little bit of that 
as we live into those ingresses a little bit more. So you can look also into your own chart to see which houses are represented by Cancer and Taurus. So you'll be getting some um, planetary energy or transits in those section of your chart. So it's only been a day or so, but just check in with yourself. You know, when we have ingresses, sometimes things happen for us on the days of the ingress. But sometimes it's just um, it's good to notice how and if, you know, last week will be different than this week ahead or if different themes in your life are highlighted because of those ingresses. So in the last several episodes, I've talked around how I view self-care according to each moon sign. And as I've been working with this topic over the last several months, I think the most important thing I've come to reiterate is that even though we can each learn to incorporate more and um, have a better refined sense and more nuanced ways to tend to ourselves and self-care by knowing our moon sign, we each already have, all of us have some innate knowing of caring for ourselves and nourishing ourselves because we've done it before. Even if our early environment or our peers, our family or our school, whatever our environment was, was not conducive to nourishing us or stewarding us through early development. Because prior to that, we are actually the intelligent cells that grew our own body, that came up with the conditions of nourishment and growth embryologically. So there is an intelligence that's present in our cells. And even you know, no matter what kind of body we're in, if we have chronic pain, if we're working with something, there's a lot of cells in a lot of our body. If we are alive and we're here and we're listening to this, that is going really well, that there's a constant process of nourishment that's already happening without having to invest our mind into it. Because inherent in our human blueprint and our body map is an intelligent design that we grew towards and we taught ourselves how to move through from not even being able to sit up to walking. So by now, if you don't know, I'm also a Rolfer and somatic movement educator. So I study the body, I work with the body, and I work with the body from its earliest processes as well as movement patterns and posture through life. So I do have some concurrent opinions on views of human vitality that moves beyond a purely psychological or astrological model for human being wellness. With all this being said, I hope that by knowing more about our moon signs as indicators of one way into self-care and nourishment, we can sync up with our already intelligent inner knowing. So another way to think about the moon besides an indicator of what and how we feel emotionally nourished by is that the moon is like a bridge between our mind and body. Our, it's our soma. It's a doorway or platform for being in touch with our inner knowing, uh, or we can call it our somatic inner knowing. And somatics is the field of study, and it's a phenomenon and an awareness that relies on the body's point of view to know ourselves from the inside out, meaning each cell has the capacity to know itself and that the brain is not at the hierarchy of every single organ 
the brain is just part of the system. So the whole soma includes the mind, includes the brain as an organ, but also looks at the entire system as intelligent. And, you know, cells are differently intelligent than our, you know, um, our thought process, but there is an intelligence there. So it's perfect to bring in some of these cosmic and transcendental ideas as we introduce the topic of astrologically informed self-care for a moon in Pisces, because Pisces, after all, is the last of the zodiacal signs. And for some folks, it is at least a contender for the most vast or complex or tied with the, quote, other realms or the collective unconscious or the mystery signs of them all. And I would suggest, too, that big ideas, reveries, philosophies beyond the mundane humdrum of daily details is one of the things that can really nourish a Pisces moon. So let's take a closer look. When I think of the Pisces archetype, I think of the story of the Melusine who is requesting at least one evening each week or one day of the week that she be given space for her own privacy. I think all watery signs are similar in that they are not meant to be pinned down and dissected, picked apart and named. Each of the water signs thrives at least in part through bathing in its own waters, its own emotions, space and time. For a Pisces moon or a person with a lot of placements in Pisces, exposure or overexposure can feel dehydrating at best or detrimental at worst. Feeling or having room to feel is a theme for all water signs. For a Pisces moon, having time and space to kinesthetically or somatically travel through the feeling realms of the imagination or heart of the imagination is important. It is possible that at times a Pisces moon doesn't even know exactly what is happening at the time it is happening. This is because so much is being felt and integrated and synthesized in often a novel or abstract impressionistic kind of way. It can be a challenge to describe a Piscean process because it looks different for each Pisces and its nature does not want to be laid out and described or analyzed. This is why, for a Pisces moon, artistic, musical, or abstract ways to express or synthesize life experience can be nourishing, especially if you have a Pisces moon and you're surrounded by lots of air or mental elements. There's a depth of feeling here, or needing the depths in order to get in touch with feeling, that the general pace of life can tend to rush. Social media and the short day-to-day -day interactions don't often leave enough wiggle room for necessary ambiguity. If you have a Pisces moon, this also indicates at least some portion or way you perceive your primary caregiver or mother figure. In regards to this perception, Having a Pisces moon could indicate you perceived your primary care person as imaginative, dreamy, or artistic in some way. This person could have been seen as being absorbed in their own world 
or reveries for better or worse. This could even indicate a person absorbed in drugs or alcohol or in some way missing in action or removed or very diffuse in the family. There could be other addictions involved. Sometimes these addictions are used in order to ease the pain or the amount of psychic information taken in. So there may have even been absorption into chronic pain. Um, that could also be, you know, get out for all the water signs or those of us who are, um, you know, have a lot of water elementals. This psychosomatic, the barriers can be a little bit loose and sometimes psychosomatic or chronic pain can can occur, can happen. Because the Pisces archetype can be so feeling for some people, the amount of empathy or information they take in from others can be overwhelming. Some folks attempt to medicate or mitigate with numbing techniques. On the other hand, you could have perceived your mother or primary care figure coping well with the sensitivity or empathy, and they could have used their skills in counseling or in their life of parenting, humanistic efforts, animal welfare, within the church, volunteering, or other spiritual uh, practices. If you have a Pisces moon, take a moment and see if any of this rings true for you for the perception of your primary care person. Were you aware of their sensitivity or their empathy? How did you know? And perhaps importantly for you now, how did what you perceive inform your ownership of your Piscean moon? And if you think a step deeper, if you got it into you to kind of step even deeper into that, was how you perceived your primary care person more about who they were how you perceived them to be, or both. In short, what was actually theirs, and what was or is yours? Remember, a Pisces moon can be nourished by the process of serving humanity through the gift of empathy and compassion, but it can also be dried up or overexposed or fatigued by too much giving. This is where we can see the martyr archetype, and we could also see other archetypes where we talk about compassion fatigue that can create torrents of upset, you know, again, chronic pain or, or feeling used and, and sometimes create a, a, um, a moodiness to a character. So in, once we've used up all our resources, most all of us do get a bit moody. So you can look at the martyr archetype, and this is when the call to serve the suffering becomes personal suffering. It's just taken on and it's too much. And this can happen almost suddenly without one's awareness. Because a Pisces moon does have a lot to give, especially in presence or support emotionally, but it also has a propensity or can be a bit leaky. It can overgive and then it can also overreceive impressions. So perhaps the most nourishing thing a Pisces moon can offer itself is boundary, is that privacy or sanctuary for reconnecting, recharging, and bathing in one's own nourishing waters.
Perhaps by now you've already intuited some ideas about some practical ways you could augment or offer yourself nourishment around your Pisces moon. And if not, no worries, because we're going to take this section to explore that. I'm going to offer some ideas that might speak to a Pisces moon. And if some of these do speak to you or sound interesting, you can give them a try. Or you can take one of these ideas and kind of run with it and see if that might speak to you. The first practical thing I'm going to suggest is boundary alone time for yourself every day if possible, or at least every few days. If you've heard or worked through the book called The Artist's Way, you might remember the idea of an artist date. What an artist date is, is setting aside a period of time weekly to take yourself out or be by yourself and indulge in your pleasures artistically. This could be reading, writing, walking through gardens, taking a hike, going to a museum, coloring in a coloring book, do scrapbooking, whatever. This is a structure meant to hold a boundary for your artistic self. And I would suggest by taking that practice seriously as a place to recharge and re-nourish your psychic senses. And if you've never heard of the artist's way, that might be a wonderful place to start with the process of offering yourself boundaried space. If you've got to the point where you already feel a bit burnt out and you're kind of in compassion fatigue, you might consider your boundaried space somewhere that you can be in sensory deprivation. So I like things like a sauna or a float tank. Some people use massage. You can also set this up in your house by just having a dim space where you can turn the lights off and maybe put some headphones on. So think about taking out some of that sensory outer world connection so you're able to recharge in a very quiet place. Another way to hydrate and nourish your Pisces moon is to make sure you have avenues for your depth and novel way of expression. And remember, this may not be through words or using words at all. So what medium feels expressive or expansive enough to be interesting to you? Some ideas are painting, dance, depth psychology, symbols, collage, musical expression. Consider some other nonverbal places to process and be involved with. This may be a personal artistic process or by joining a group class where folks are engaging in depth and or creative nonverbal processing. This could also be if you go to therapy or a counselor, you could look at um, maybe an arts therapist, somebody who would work in a way that's not just verbal or a somatic therapist. Do you have a place to be and feel without having to name and explain things and go up in your linear mind? Can you feel expansive and nourishing and allow space for your unique way of being and synthesizing the world? And finally, I will also ask Pisces Moon people to keep tabs on the reciprocal relationships in your life, the relationships that you receive from as much as you give. So look around you, you look towards your family, your work, uh, your community, spiritual community, friends, the folks who are around you. Notice where and from who or what do you receive. 
Are you in right relationship for yourself with giving and receiving? You might make a list or write in your journal about where you give and where you receive. If you find that you're set up to habitually give more than you receive, you can either find a route to give a little less or put boundaries around who and when you give and or open up to receiving more. And consider when you're looking at it, what you receive nourishment from, you know, this may be people, but also take into account, you know, animals and other lives. So being open and being very sensitive allows people with Pisces, a lot of Pisces or Pisces moon to also take in nourishment, perhaps from the environment or from other places of beauty. These practices may at first feel challenging, especially the ones around boundaries. For the expansive Piscean water, there's something really that, that, again, it doesn't want to be contained or named. But through time, we can also understand the nature of water. And we can see that water actually becomes its most useful by placing it in an appropriate container so that we can drink it or that we can um, use it to put cut flowers in. So water becomes useful by that container. Even the earth contains patterns of water in some way. So if you are working with embracing boundaries, try thinking about boundaries as supports rather than limitations. Until next time, breathe deep, linger long.